Rivers and Growing On Me. Time is 2.35 and you're listening to The 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. Now, the pandemic has presented challenges for all of us. And for young people who've been cooped up in the house, facing a variety of family tensions, limited social interaction and disruptions to their school life, the internet may have been a form of escape. However, there seems to be growing concern that they have become addicted to it. Many of them may have. My guest today can give us a greater insight into how this is affecting families in Hong Kong. Let me welcome Jocelyn Chow, and uh, fam- she's a family lawyer, and doctoral clinical psychologist Amanda Oswald-Visher. And they're on the line now. Good afternoon to you. Hi, thank Good you. Afternoon. Lovely to have you on. Um, d- let me just kick off, really. Um, Amanda, let me just ask you, first of all, you know, this is a really quite a worrying problem Um, for people who don't really understand what it is. Exactly what is Internet addiction? What what do we see? Well, that's a great question, because we are really still trying to figure this out. It's only recently been recognized by the, um, the World Health Organization and the DSM, which is the big manual for psychologists and diagnoses. So it's now just been put into place as an actual disorder. And so with that being a new diagnosis, we're constantly trying to monitor that. And now with the onset of COVID, where we are using screens because it's our everything, it's our education, it's our social life, um, it's our relaxation. So what is necessity versus what is Mm. excess is really being redefined right now Mm. and hopefully being redefined with us uh, going back to schools and work. But when we're talking about addiction, we used to think of that as only being something um, to do with substances. But recently now we've adapted it to talking about that inability to control or abstain from use Mm -hmm. of a substance or a thing such as screens. Um, where it affects our ability to function in everyday life and we lose interest in things beyond screens. We're not feeling the joy or the desire to go out and socialize or to play the sports or the piano that we used to be in. Um, We usually see an academic uh, decline or decline in other work that we were once doing well in. Uh, It will interfere with families and activities. This is one we see a lot of. I don't know if any of you guys have teenagers, but trying to get them to go for a hike versus play yeah. Minecraft is a bit tricky. I guess it they're is, more important. Right? It's um, a whole new sphere. And then excessive it? Yeah. changes in behavior, a mm-hmm. lot of irritability and withdrawal, you see. And oftentimes before we had the diagnosis of gaming addiction, it was um, people were misdiagnosing, misdiagnosing it as depression because you have withdrawal, apathy, all of that. But now knowing that it's a gaming addiction, we treat it very, very differently. Gosh, there's there's a lot there. I mean, in a way, everything during this the last two years has been shaken up, hasn't it? And and all of these things have kind of affected families and children. Um, Jocelyn, you you know are dealing with cases. I mean, are there particular cases in mind that come come to mind that you think, oh gosh, you know, this is this is exactly what is happening? Yes, there there has been, and which is why I find this topic very relevant and fascinating because I have a recent case where the parents have been divorced for five years. They have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, both boys. The mother has been the primary care so the boys live with her for the majority of time. The father has access to the two sons. 
But in order, this has been a difficult divorce, needless to say, the father has always been tried to be difficult, always tried to reverse the uh, care situation so that he can have full care of the children. So the father has um, manipulated the children by using the child's addiction to screen to win their favor so that they would want to stay with the father. So mm. what happened was um, the father would allow the kids to do whatever they want, um, be it skipping Zoom classes, just to play on the internet. Um, and the children happily stayed at the father's home, not going out, going hiking, as Amanda said, at all, or doing anything social or outdoorsy. Um, and what resulted was that the children were so um, alienated that they refused to go back to the mother's place to stay. Um, and this is such a severe problem that um, like, uh, we've engaged clinical psychologists like Amanda um, to help uh, cope with the children's uh, addiction to the internet and also to have a behavioral plan in place so that there are consistent rules between the two households. Now, with parents, one parent being deliberately difficult, this may not be the solution, which is why sometimes um, the, some of the cases end up in court, because then we might need to reduce the father's access so that at least the children can be adjusted back to how they should be when they are staying with their mother. Gosh, that's quite amazing. I just find it like, mm -hmm. you know, for a child, and what are we talking about in terms of age, in, in terms of this kind of case that you're talking about? What is the age of the children? In this case, they were 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. I think, well, Amanda probably can share, but um, I think ten year, the 10-year-old so is particularly young. easily influenced and manipulated, and the problem lies more with him. The 12-year-old started to have more of an awareness that he needs to do well in school. Um, so thankfully, he's not as alienated as the younger one is. So Amanda, you know, in this situation, where do you start? How, as a psychologist, how can you kind of... I suppose it's a very gradual process in terms of weaning them off this and, and understanding what they're going through. But where do you start? Well, I think um, for custody cases, there's there's so many more levels to addiction. And um, as Jocelyn says, you often see parents, you know, trying to compensate or to be favored because the, the stakes are so high. What wouldn't you do to have access to your kids? Mm. Um, and sometimes we overcorrect um, either because we either knowingly or not um, and then it ends up polarizing both parents one parent feels like they have to clean up the mess and fix everything and they're overly rigid and then the other parents like well you only get to have fun with me so I really better let you do what you want to do so as a psychologist if we're working with addictions or um, uh, custody uh, cases I, I think knowing my mantra has always been everybody's doing the best they can with the tools they have. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be a jerk. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to be addicted. This is not a choice. This is when we're seeing people at their most vulnerable and with their biggest vices and we have to meet them where we're at and let them first start in a place of non-judgment mm -hmm. and really hear where they're coming from. Because only when you feel heard, are you willing to be vulnerable enough to change? And that's for pretty much any psychological intervention. Mm -hmm. With regards to addiction, 
Our job is to figure out why did the addiction occur in the first place? Is it coping? Is it escapism? Is it because we had social difficulties? Is it, in the case of Jocelyn's client, it might be that a 10-year-old, you know, their frontal lobe, their executive functioning that says, ooh, I should probably study and don't click that button. It is not online yet. We are asking an impossible task of these kids. Um, and so what's started the addiction? What started the behavior? Because then we can rewind and rebuild. Uh, that's usually the first part. You see a lot of kids with anxiety or trauma who resort to online gaming because it gives us a sense of control and mastery and pride and a fresh start where we can be a war leader instead of the the kid who was bullied in class yeah it's getting so out a lot of there of really helpful yeah. reasons why people resort to that yeah to what extent i mean you know when i listen to these cases and you think of parents and you think of children like you know as a psychologist, you can look at things objectively. You can look at each party. You can see exactly what they're going through. To what extent do you have challenges in terms of getting through to the parents to understand that, you know, the well-being of their child is paramount here and it will have long-term effects on, on their life? You know, it must be very difficult. So is that uh, is that one of the main hurdles for you? Um. Well, oftentimes in Hong Kong, um, I used to work in juvenile hall and foster care where the issues were quite different. Here, it's almost the opposite where we love our kids so much, we want to give them the world mm. and we forget how to put in place boundaries. So usually I meet with the parents first and find out what are their core values? What do they want to instill in their children? Pride, work ethic, um, autonomy, great. Whatever words that come to light there, that's what we're going to prioritize. What does that look like on a daily basis? What does that look like how your child does self-care, how they organize their time, mm -hmm. what brings them joy? And then based on that, what rules need to be put in place? Mm -hmm. Especially with custody, we, I like to put in the red light, green light system where what are the non-negotiables for mom mm -hmm. and dad? Mm -hmm. what is like, okay, it's almost like a brainstorm that you do with them to understand exactly where they are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gosh. And and legally, you know, um, what is there, Jocelyn, that can be done to actually support this move and to make things better? Well, the first and most important step really is to involve um, a psychologist and um, to have these, as Amanda says, to have the parents sit together with the psychologist to agree on what it is they want for their children so that they're reminded that that is not about them against each other, but it's for the children. Um, but if, uh, say in my case, the father refused to even go to a joint session with the psychologist, then that becomes more problematic. In that case, then the only way that we can do is to um, maybe temporarily reduce the father's time with the children so that um, we, first of all, avoid the parental alienation. We minimize the encouragement um, for the children to continue with their screen addiction. And once they have spent enough time with their mother um, with consistent rules, then hopefully their behavior can um, improve for the better. But obviously, even in those situations where the children are uh, alienated from one parent, it, it might be quite tricky to get them to stay with a parent whom they're alienated against. So um, again, the psychologist mm -hmm. role is very important here mm -hmm. because we need them to guide um, the parent and also ch children as to how they 
adjust to going back to um, living in the mother's house, adopting the rules that they do not like. It's mm, quite hard, isn't it? I can't imagine. Um, how, you know, what is the situation in Hong Kong? Because obviously, you this is through your interaction with cases that you've got, and and, and you refer a psychologist. But I mean, the whole aspect, the whole subject of addiction must be in households where people don't even know it's happening. Because, you know, there isn't a case of a divorce, or there isn't anything like that. But, you know, how do you deal with that then? I mean, as a parent, what do you what do you look out for? And how can you handle that then? Well, I think especially at the beginning of COVID, it, there was a, a lot of gray area because we didn't know how much was too much because our kids were on, you know, online for school all day and they didn't have any social outlet. So they needed to be able to have access to their friends. So the way we define an addiction is when it gets in the way of everyday life. Well, COVID got in the way of everyday life. Mm. So we've got to, mm. to adjust. Um, so being able, what we've learned now, it's not about how much time necessarily you're spending online. It's about what you're doing online and why you're doing it. And the other part of it is what happens when we take it away? Mm -hmm. Are you still able to have dinner with mom and dad? Mm -hmm. Are you still getting the exercise? Yes, we know you need to be on Discord so that you can have that social outlet and we support it. At the same time, we need to make sure that when you turn it off, that we don't have these big tantrums and meltdowns. We're seeing so much of that right now. Mm -hmm. Again, because kids and teenagers, they don't have the executive fun executive functioning to know when enough is too much. And they also their dopamine and their serotonin, when they get a reward online, they feel that reward 10 times more than our brains. So everything feels 10 times more exciting and better. That's very hard to let go of. Um, so the first part is trying to make sure that you have rules in place before. Sorry, guys. Um, to make sure you have rules in place um, that will that will make sure that these things don't get out of hand before mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. So we always have dinner together or, you know, no screen time an hour before bed. Um, may, maybe with younger kids, like I will have access to your chats because I need to make sure you're safe. You need to educate me on how to use Minecraft so I can follow along. Things where you have those boundaries set in place up front. So because changing the rules and making them stricter later is much harder. Yeah, I suppose it's just how you deal with children, really, isn't it? Because of the moment that you're talking to teenagers, and and maybe you know that has to come from another direction. Because when parents say, "I know I've got two kids, but they're much older now," but you know, when parents give them that kind of advice, it's the last place they want the advice from. They'll they'll listen to their peers, they'll listen to others, they'll listen to TV programs, things like that. But when parents say it, they'll just this, the differences go up and they think, oh, I don't want to know. So, I mean, you know, that's it. You have to think about those things, don't you? It, it needs to come. These conversations don't come from a place of you're doing this too much. You need to stop. I'm going to get stricter. It's more about having an explorative conversation and talking about how are you, you know, how are you feeling your, like your screen time is going? Do you feel like it's too much? Do you feel like it's too little? Mm -hmm. Um what are you doing with it? Do you feel good when you turn it off? Mm. What do you think about when you're on it? Um, so you can have that really curious conversation yeah. before you start placing rules. Jocelyn, and I, I was just going to ask Jocelyn, are, are parents, you know, when you do refer a psychologist, are parents kind of 
quite happy to go for that? Because suddenly, you know, when you say, oh, I think you need to speak to a psychologist, perhaps, I, I could see quite a few people being a bit alienated and thinking, no, there's nothing wrong with us. We're fine. Like, you know, do you have, do you get that? Um, I would say 10 years ago, when I first started practicing, people in Hong Kong are not that um, ready to see psychologists. But nowadays, uh, almost like all of my clients, when I suggested them seeking uh, or consulting child psychologists or even therapists for their own needs, they are pretty much prepared to do so. But there will be occasional parents where, again, it may be strategic, but they just would not agree to mm. involve a psychologist because then um, what they're doing to their children may be exposed by the child psychologist. And in all court hearings involving yeah. disputes on custody, not only is there a social welfare report, but uh, which would be social workers interviewing the children and observing the behavior, etc., and giving recommendations. But we always emphasize how important it is for the court to order child psychologist report because social workers would just interview the parents and the children and it's quite can be quite on, on the surface superficial and, and they just report it on paper whereas when children see psychologists the psychologists actually can understand what are the root causes to mm. their behavioral problems mm. and why are they so alienated towards a parent or why are they resisting seeing a parent or, or certain behaviors mm. I suppose a lot of our conversation has been quite sort of a bit of a doom and gloom situation but I mean um, uh, Amanda you know from the cases that you've dealt with and the people that you talk to, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Can you see you've got you must have some great cases where things have worked really well and things have settled down? Of course, of course. Um, I think, you know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And the sooner you can start working on these things, the better, obviously. Um, but really, it's about getting the buy in, not only from the parents, but from the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just like we ask the parents what their value system is, usually when I meet with a kid, I ask, you know, if I could snap my fingers and grant one wish, what would change? They might say, oh, I wish my parents would get off my back and I could gain more or school is so stressful um, mm -hmm. or nobody likes me. Then we start there because if school is stressful, then maybe we're gaming for escapism. And if we're not finding a sense of belonging in real life, then of course, we're going to resort to something else. So let's find a sense of belonging. Let's find something that defines you and empowers you. Mm. And that's usually the way forward so they can build that narrative for themselves of what kind of person they are off the screens. Mm. Well, there's some amazing information here. And um, and I think you're going to be doing a marvelous job, frankly. But, but, you know, thank you so much for your time today. And um, obviously, if people are interested in finding out more, then, you know, they can they can have a look at your website and stuff. But thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you luck with some of those cases. And I, I hope there is light at the end of the tunnel and things do get better. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.